Tonight I want to preach to you about fruit killers. Look at your neighbor and say, fruit killers. <laughs> fruit killers. And I want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 18. And we're reading the parable of the sower that Jesus himself preached. And we're going to look at a couple things very briefly. And uh, I'll move quickly. But I do feel like there's some very relevant things here that the Lord has for us tonight. Matthew 13 and 18, if you have that, say amen. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Everyone said unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. And understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. How many want the fruit of the Spirit to be growing and abundant in your life? How many want the gifts of the Spirit to be operating, not just once in a while, but in abundance in your life? How many want the rivers of living water to be flowing and causing the fruit of the Spirit in your life to be increasing on a daily basis. Could we lift up our hands and make that our prayer right now? Oh, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that, that we would have the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives, Lord. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, God. Righteousness, meekness, temperance, Lord. I pray, oh God, that we would have the gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, Lord. I pray, oh God, that we would be a spiritual people and that we would follow after the Spirit and not after the flesh, oh God. And I pray against everything that would choke the Word and the good seed out of our lives. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In our text today, Jesus describes things that choke the seed, and the seed represents the Word of God. How many are thankful for the Word of God tonight? The seed that was scattered by the sower went into four different types of ground, and Jesus describes these four different types of grounds. And, of course, we recognize that this was a parable, and so the ground represents our hearts or our spirit and how we receive the seed or how we receive the word of God. Of course, we all recognize that we all respond differently to the word of God. All of us are created uniquely with different temperaments and different personalities. And all of us come from different spiritual upbringings and different spiritual levels of sensitivity. And so that is exactly why you can come into a church service and 30 people can need the Holy Ghost. And when the altar call is given, 
Only three of those people received the Holy Ghost because the same word was preached. The same gospel went forth. It has the same power that can be applied to every single person's life. The seed did not change. The fruit did not change. But the ground was not receptive in some cases. And so Jesus describes this. We see this with things besides just the gospel. Sometimes faith is preached and one heart is ready to receive the word of faith and another heart rejects the word of faith. Sometimes holiness and righteousness is preached and, and one heart rejects holiness and righteousness and another heart is receptive to the seed that is being planted in their lives. I have made a decision in my life that I want to be receptive to all of God's word. Some people want the, they want the apple tree and they want the pear tree, but they don't want the other fruit of the spirit. You see, some people want the love, but they don't want the righteousness. And you've got to have all of the fruit of the spirit in your life. You can't pick and choose which seed you allow to grow in your life. And that's where many modern day Christians are right now. They want to pick and choose what fruit of the spirit they want to operate in their life. But it doesn't work that way. You have to receive the entirety of God's word into your spirit. And you have to start making a decision. Even while I'm preaching, some of you are making a decision in your spirit realm right now. You're deciding, am I going to receive the word of the Lord or am I going to reject the word of the Lord? And, and sometimes I can come into church and I can literally feel the spiritual struggle that is taking place on these pews. I can feel it even sometimes as saints. We have to come to church and make up our mind. Am I going to receive thus saith the word of the Lord? Am I going to be indifferent to thus saith the word of the Lord? Or in a worst case scenario, will I flat out reject the word of the Lord? If you've decided to receive God's word, would you clap your hands to the Lord tonight? And give him praise. I want all of it. I want all of it. I want all of it. Amen. So Jesus describes four different types of ground. Three of them are negative and one of them is the right kind of ground to have. Number one, he described the wayside. Another translation calls it the footpath. In other words, if you have a field and next to the field there's a high traffic area, there's a path that uh, perhaps so many people have walked through it and that uh, it is worn down and it's beaten down from use and wear and constant comings and goings. And Jesus describes seed that fell on this busy area. And when the seed fell there, it did not take root because they lacked understanding. Everyone said understanding. That word understanding is very important. Now, I believe in obedience to the word of God. Listen to me very carefully. I believe that you ought to be obedient to the word of God. You ought to be obedient to the ministry, the preaching of the word. How many think that your pastor ought to be allowed to do more than just suggest things once in a while? Anybody still believe in apostolic authority? See, we're living in a generation that thinks their pastor is no better than a weatherman. He can suggest maybe 
You ought to get your umbrella, or maybe you shouldn't. Whatever you choose to believe, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. But that is not apostolic authority. You need a pastor. Do you know what a pastor is? He is a spiritual under-shepherd to the great shepherd. That means he's going to have a rod and a staff every once in a while. And when the wolves start trying to invade your life, every once in a while a pastor will see a wolf or a lion or a bear, and maybe you can't see it, but he reaches that staff out and says, listen, you need to get away from that because that's a dangerous place. I can see the wolves coming in on that side. Maybe a fence has broken down and you're about to go over a cliff and you can't see it, but your pastor who is the watch a watchman on the wall, he can see something happening in the supernatural realm. And he says, you better get away from that barrier. You better leave that fence alone and come back into the safety of the church and get Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right now and get back in the safety of the sheepfold. And so we need to have a pastor. And I believe in apostolic authority. And uh, and there are many times in my life, especially as a younger man, where I would just be obedient to what was preached. I would be obedient to what my parents taught me. I would be obedient to the scriptures in the Bible, but I did not have full or complete understanding. Anybody ever been there? I'm not asking if you're there tonight, but have you ever been there? And some of you are there tonight. You don't have to raise your hand, though. And I believe that you should be obedient. I really do. But as I've mentioned before, it is better to be obedient and to have understanding. Because when you lack understanding long enough, you become extremely vulnerable to your adversary, the devil. Because we all struggle with faithlessness. Anybody ever struggled with being, having faith? Anybody just ever have 100% faith? Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm just 100% faith every day of my life. I know better than that. Nobody here has 100% faith every day of their life. We all struggle and our faith is increased and sometimes it decreases and we have things in our life that, have, that shake our faith. Anybody ever been shaken by something? And, and, uh, and, and, and so all of those things happen. And when you have understanding, your faith is far stronger when turbulent times come. But when you lack understanding, when the enemy starts whispering in your ear, remember... When the serpent came to Eve in the garden, he came to her with deception and subtility. In other words, he came to her because she did not have full understanding of the commandment that God gave her. And he began to twist the words of God. How many remember that? Satan began to twist what God actually said. He put words in God's mouth. And because she didn't have good understanding, she was shaken by the words of Satan. Listen, you need to have understanding. So when the enemy comes at you in the wilderness, like remember when Satan came to Jesus when he had, had been fasting for 40 days and he said, why don't, you just, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Jesus responded with understanding. Why? Because he understood the word of God. Understanding is a powerful thing. It guards you from deception. It guards you from danger. It guards you from the subtility of the devil. Now look at Proverbs 18 and 2 with me. It says this, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I don't want you to look at anybody, but does that describe any Christians that you know? Look straight ahead, eyes forward. 
I know a lot of Christians who are that way. They have no interest in understanding why they ought to live holy. They have no interest in understanding what the plan of salvation is. They, they just kind of want the, the Cliff Notes version of the Bible, and then they want to have their own opinions about everything. Listen, Ryan Anthony French's opinion amounts to zero. In fact, it amounts to less than zero. I'm going to tell you the only opinion that matters is the Word of God, the living Word that is forever settled. And we have to build our wisdom and our understanding on the foundation of the Word of God. This is where all wisdom comes from. This is where all understanding comes from. And we need to have it in our life. It guards you. Look at Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. And so... If there are things today, remember the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. So if you're here today, and and I I suspect there are people here, you're struggling with why you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Why Why don't we drink alcohol, for example? Maybe you're struggling with questions of that nature. And there are things that you wonder, why do we do this? Why don't women cut their hair? Why is why does why are we doing these things? Why do I hear that? Uh, from the pulpit once in a while? Why do I come across that once in a while? Why is that controversial? Why is homosexuality wrong? I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to seek out the scripture until you get understanding. You need to get in the word of God and study it and talk to a man of God. Get in a Bible study if you have to. I don't care if you've been in church for 37 years. If you need a Bible study to get understanding, don't be too proud because you need to be saved and you need the seed of God's word to be firmly planted in your life. Number two, Jesus talked about a second negative ground. He called it stony ground. These were people who they joyfully, the Bible is very clear to say that they joyfully received the word But the ground was stony. There were so many things there that they choked out the word. And eventually, the word that was planted, but it had fragile roots in their lives, that word was choked out by the stony ground. And we all have seen this. How many have ever seen someone who came and they got the Holy Ghost and they were baptized and they were on fire for God for about a month and then boom, poof, gone? We've all seen that, haven't we? I've I've been in Bible studies where where I gave them one Bible study. They received the Holy Ghost after that one Bible study. They wanted to be baptized the next week. They were excited. They were shouting. They were on fire for God. And then all of a sudden, lost contact, gone. What happened? The word was choked out by things that invaded their lives. And we have to be careful. There are many things that can invade our lives that choke out the word of God. Number three. Jesus talked about thorny ground. Everyone said thorny ground. Again here, the message is choked out by the thorns. And fourthly, Jesus talked about good ground. How many want to have good ground tonight? This is good soil. This is fertile soil. This is soil that is receptive and hungry for the word of God. And so in good ground, Jesus said, number one, the message is received or it's heard. Number two, it's understood. Everyone said understood. We're focusing on that for a minute because understanding is extremely important. Number three, not only did they hear it, you know, a lot of people hear the word and a lot of people understand the word. I can't tell you how many people I've preached to and taught home Bible studies with and spent hours 
teaching the Bible to them. And they would tell me, Brother Ryan, I understand and believe everything that you're saying, but I'm just not ready. So just hearing and believing and understanding is not enough. Thirdly, they obeyed. Everyone said obey. That's the key. By the way, uh, this is not something new, but I just want to throw this in there. Did you know that Noah was not saved by grace alone? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, right? But it wasn't just grace that saved him. It was obedience. Because had he not built the ark, he would have perished in the flood with everybody else. Thank God for grace, but you better have grace and obedience or when the storm comes, you're still going to be lost. And finally, they reproduced or they were fruitful. They began to grow. They reproduced. And, and anyone who understands uh, fruit trees, Brother Dan understands this a lot better than I do. And he's taught me a lot of things over the last several years. But if you know anything about fruit trees, when, when that fruit uh, falls onto the ground, it causes seeds to fall into the ground and then more fruit is produced from that by the way as christians we ought to be producing other christians that's called evangelism that's called the great commission where we go into all the world preaching the gospel and so you ought to look at your life am i producing other christians am i drawing other people into the kingdom of god and that's very important so let me talk to you about the six fruit killers things that jesus talked about that destroy the seed of God's word. Number one, Jesus referred to him as the wicked one, and he was talking about Satan. And let me give you a couple quick things about Satan. Satan is the adversary of your soul. Did you know Satan is not your friend? He's not a small-time crook. He's not a drinking buddy. Satan is, is evil incarnate, and he is seeking whom he may devour right now as we speak. And I want to give you a couple things that are some of his favorite seed-stealing techniques. Number one, he makes little things big. How many people have you seen lose out on God and give up on church and run out on the things of God because something little became big? One little offense. One person didn't shake their hand. One thing got into their spirit and they forfeited their soul because of a very small thing. Satan loves to do that. He knows how to amplify little things and turn them into gigantic things that we just cannot get over. And then he flips it around. If that doesn't work, he'll make big things little. And he'll tell you it doesn't matter how you're baptized. It doesn't matter if you speak in other tongues in order to be saved. He'll tell you it doesn't matter if you live righteously and holy. And he'll minimize those things until you think all of the big important things are actually small things. And you're so confused that you're not obedient to the word of God. Number three, he gets us to carry tomorrow, today. In other words, he causes us to worry. Worry will destroy your relationship with God. Now listen, I know we all worry about things here and there. I'm not talking about you know, natural concerns and things of that. We all have to pay bills. Bless God. Hallelujah. Anybody else have to pay bills here? Am I the only one? We all have to pay bills. We all have the air conditioning go out every once in a while. Listen, nothing will make you pray back through to the Holy Ghost like coming home in Atlanta heat with 95 degree weather and your air conditioning broke. You will pray through in Jesus' name immediately. I did that this summer. I got a good old-fashioned rebaptism of the Holy Ghost when our air conditioner went. We all have things that we worry about. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm the only human. Yeah, yeah, we all have things that we worry about. But I'm talking about there is a pervasive kind of worry that will sap you of your joy. It will sap you of your faith. 
and it will rob you of your ability to have joy in the Lord and to have gratitude and thankfulness for the things of God. There is nothing so invasive in your life that you should not be able to come into the house of God with your hands lifted, your voice lifted. You ought to be able to sing unto the Lord a new song. You better be able to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And if you haven't, you better look over your shoulder and see if the devil has been producing so much false worry in your life that you cannot have the joy of the Lord. Remember, I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it till I die. The joy of the Lord is our strength the devil can rob you of your joy he robs you of your strength and fourthly he gets us to carry yesterday today in other words he causes us to be so preoccupied with our past so focused on our failures so focused on the things that god brought us out of or sometimes he'll even do it this way he'll tell you that your best days are in the past Hello. He'll tell you that you're not valuable anymore because you did all of the best things you're ever going to do yesterday. I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you are three years old or 300 years old. God can do great things in your right now. Do not let the devil fool you into thinking that your best days are dead and buried. And not let the devil convince you that your sinful past keeps you from all of the things that God wants to do in your life. But if he can get you so lost in yesterday that you have nothing to offer today, he's won the battle. Let me give you a couple things that I've done in my life for a long time. These are questions I'll ask myself if I'm trying to figure out that if Satan is at work in a situation. Now listen, we all know that life happens. Doesn't life happen? Life just happens. So not every bad thing that happens is the devil. And we blame a lot of things on the devil that have nothing to do with the devil. Sometimes it's just our own stupidity. Some of the worst things that have ever happened in my life had nothing to do with the devil. It was all Ryan French being stupid. Did I hear my wife say amen? My wife just got the Holy Ghost and ran the aisle. Most of the worst things in my life have been just me or just life happening. Things just happen. Listen, we live in a world that is invaded by sin. Sin brought sickness. It brought disease. It brought failure. It brought all of these things. It disrupted the natural order that God created. God didn't create the world to have sickness or disease. God didn't create the world to have thorns and thistles. No, no, no. All of that, spiritually and physically, is a result of sin. But sometimes Satan is moving in a situation and he is battling you in spiritual warfare. And you need to be able to recognize that. So here's a couple questions that I ask myself if I'm wondering. Maybe this is a spiritual battle. Maybe the enemy is coming against me like a flood. You know, you can't see physically with your eyes when the enemy is coming in like a flood, but sometimes you can sense it in your spirit and you need to be sensitive to it. So here's a few questions I ask. Number one, are my thoughts irrational? If I am constantly having irrational thoughts, that is a sure sign that I am probably right in the middle of spiritual warfare. I know Satan is at work when unwelcome, unsolicited thoughts 
regularly pop into my mind. I had a young person tell me many years ago, uh, I don't know why, but every, every time that I'm alone over the last week, every time I'm alone and in a dark room, I start thinking about suicide. And I told her, I said, you are undergoing a spiritual attack. If you are regularly having unique, strange, unsolicited, irrational thoughts that uh, would be unusual for you to have, then you know that you are in the middle of a spiritual battle. And you better battle it spiritually. You better pray. You better pray. You better pray. And that's not the time to miss church and get far away from God. You better get closer to church and get closer to the altar and worship more and pray more. And I'm going to just say it, even though I'm going to lose some friends here, you better throw in a little fasting. I know Satan is at work when the opposition is bizarre and outrageous. You ever just have really bizarre, outrageous, strange things happen? I've, I've told this before, but one of the strangest ones that I've ever had happen, and it, I knew immediately it was, it was Satan. I was preaching a service in Modesto, California, and I kept looking out on this side of the building, and every time I looked over, this woman was sitting there, and she was glaring at me, and her eyes, she just had normal eyes, and all of a sudden when I'd look, her eyes would flash, and she would have great big, huge cat eyes. And we found out later on in that revival that she was possessed. And how many know that demon possession is still real? You either believe the Bible or you don't. And so we wound up that night. We wound up praying for her. And three demons came out of her that night. And how did I know? Because bizarre, strange things were happening. That's why you should not be preoccupied with the bizarre. If you're fascinated by horror flicks and things of that nature, nature, you really ought to pray. If you're fascinated by sorcery and magic and Ouija boards and all of that good stuff, you shouldn't be playing around with demonic stuff. That stuff ought to be bizarre to you. And if it doesn't seem strange and bizarre, you better get in an altar until you develop a spiritual heart that is good ground that can be receptive to the Word of God. If it's just normal or funny or entertainment, then you are in a very, very dangerous place. I know Satan is at work when I am comfortable with confusion rather than revelation. I can't tell you how many people, it is the spirit of the age right now, where people would rather be lied to than told the truth. Did you know that? Most people would rather be lied to than told the truth, especially when it comes to spiritual things. I know Satan is at work when understanding biblical truth is low on my list of priorities. Amen. Secondly, Jesus talked about a second fruit killer, and he described it as tribulation. Everyone said tribulation. That word also means trouble. Everyone said trouble or pressure. Everyone said pressure. And we know that tribulation, trouble, pressure. How many have ever felt oppressed? You feel like the world is just coming in on you. That's a sure sign that tribulation is trying to choke out the word of God out of your life and you need to guard against that john 16 33 these things i have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world ye shall have tribulation but he says something very strange but be of good cheer now that sounds awkward doesn't it jesus just told us that we're gonna have tribulation how many realize that he didn't say you might have tribulation 
That's emphatic. He says, you will have tribulation. And then he said, be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. When you start feeling tribulation stealing your joy, when you start feeling tribulation robbing the good seed out of the soil of your life, you know what you need to do? You need to remind yourself that the blood of Jesus has conquered every sin. You need to remind yourself that by his stripes, we are healed. You need to remind yourself that you can overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony and by loving not your life unto death. Aha. Yes. Psalm 34 and 19. Many. Here, I'm going to encourage you real quick. You ready for an encouraging word right from the word of the Lord? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Anybody want to shout about that one? That'll shut a service down real quick, won't it? We don't hear many sermon titles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The church empties out. But there it is. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, haha, I like this. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. What does that mean? If you're here tonight and you're going through trials and tribulation and it's not over, Hold on and don't give up because he will deliver you. I said he will deliver you. Hold on. Don't let go. Don't give up. Don't throw the word of God out just because you're going through a trial. Hold on because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. If you've ever been delivered from a trial, why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord as a testimony tonight? Number three, number three. Jesus talked about something closely related to tribulation. In fact, it's in the same verse there. He said persecution. But then he went on to say that this isn't just any old tribulation or any old persecution. This is persecution because of the word. Or in other words, we might could say that you are persecuted because of your belief and adherence to the word of the Lord. Now, every Christian will suffer some kind of persecution because you are standing on the word of the Lord. John 15 and 18. If the world, this is Jesus speaking, listen. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Someone said out of this world. Did you know the church is out of this world? Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. How many know the name tonight? Would somebody just shout it? Yes, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. They can't hide their sin any longer. Isn't that powerful? He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when 
The comforter is come. Woo, hallelujah. Hey, you're going to be persecuted, but I've got good news for you. There's going to be an upper room. There's going to be a day of Pentecost, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, black flesh, white flesh, yellow flesh, brown flesh. I'm going to pour out my... I'm going to pour out my spirit on every nation, tribe, tongue, and kindred. I will pour out the Holy Ghost. It'll be your power. It'll be your river of life. It'll be your sustainer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it will be your comfort in times of persecution. And so when the world hates you because of holiness, when the world hates you because you love the name of Jesus, when the world hates you because you're standing against immorality, take heart. You've got a comforter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. Number four, Jesus said all of these things will produce offense. Everyone said offense. I think that offense is one of the most prevalent fruit killers in the church today. I'm offended. Have you ever noticed how everybody is offended nowadays? Every, you don't even mean to. I mean, the, oh, some of y'all are going to start amening me too loud, but don't amen me too loud here. Just take it in, okay? Some people, if you just look at them with your head tilted the wrong way, you got to remember when you get around them, if I don't tilt my head to the left... They're going to be offended. If I get my head over here to the right, man, they're going to be really offended. Boy, some of y'all just feel that. I can sense it. Offense. Notice how thin-skinned people are nowadays. And I don't just mean in the church. It's in the church. But I mean everywhere. I mean we are so easily offended. And we bring that spirit into the church. The church suffers from it today as well. I mean, listen, we're in an age where a preacher can't even hardly get up and say, hey, listen, we ought to just abstain from premarital sex without somebody being offended. It, not ought, it shouldn't be that way. A preacher ought to be able to preach the word of the Lord without everybody getting offended. And if something is preached that kind of gets down, the old timers used to say, am I preaching in your garden? And if if they're in your garden right now, just wait a minute. They'll get in somebody else's garden. You don't have to be offended by it. But we're offended by everything, not just preaching. I mean, we're just easily offended. And offense is a seed killer. It will kill the word of God in your life. If everything offends you, you will not be able to love your brother. If everything offends you, you will not be able to love your sister. You will not be able to love preaching. You won't be able to interact with people in a godly fashion because offense causes us to do mean-spirited, hateful things. Offense is a terrible thing. Look at Matthew 26 and 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus laughed. Well, the text doesn't say it, but I'm just assuming Jesus laughed and said, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. So some of us say, well, I wouldn't be offended by that preacher, but ha, Jesus knows our heart. Matthew eleven six, Jesus said, and blessed. How many want to be blessed tonight? You want the blessings of God? 
And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. That's talking specifically about Jesus, but Proverbs 19.11 says this, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. One of the most powerful things you can do if you want to maintain good ground. How many want to have good, fruitful ground? One of the most powerful things you can do is refuse to be easily and quickly offended. I wish I'd get a praise the Lord there. That's some of the best preaching I've done in a long time. Offense will kill your joy. It'll render you powerless in the kingdom of God. And and by the way, when you get a spirit that's easily offended, you can't stop it. It might start with a genuine offense. Have you ever noticed how some people it starts with a, a legitimate thing? How many have ever been just legitimately hurt? No fault of your own. I'm the first one up here. Genuinely offended. No fault of my own. People hurt me. People hurt me. People. We've all been hurt by people. I could stand up here and tell you a story. Make your hair curl. Make your tongue roll back in your throat. I could tell you all kinds of stories how people did me wrong. We've all got those stories to tell. Every single one of us. But have you ever noticed how some people, they have a a genuine thing that happens in their life, and then they allow that to fester, and before you know it, everything offends them, regardless of whether or not it's genuine? Because that's what happens when you allow a spirit of offense to grow in your life. It chokes out the fruit of the spirit. I said it chokes out the fruit of the spirit. It absolutely does. It chokes out love. It chokes out joy. It chokes out peace. It chokes out long suffering. It chokes out meekness. Hallelujah. Number six, Jesus talked about the final fruit killer. And he described it as the deceitfulness of riches. Riches. Now, how many understand that riches by themselves are not evil? The love of money is the root of all evil. So if you are in love with money, you have a problem. Just having money is not the problem. Or if your pursuit of money And your love of the pursuit of money is more important to you than the word of God. Then you have a serious problem in your life. There's things that are choking out the word. Or if you have money and you allow your possessions and your things and your stuff and your next vacation. Preacher, you don't want me to have nice stuff? No, I want you to be blessed and I want you to have all kinds of good things. And I I hope you have a tremendous job. And I hope that you're fruitful. And I hope all of that's good. But if it starts choking out the word of God. Remember it was the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And and he said what must I do? I want to be saved. And Jesus said well just go and sell all that you have. Come back and follow me. I don't know I got stuff to do. I don't even know. Not. Pastor can correct me if I'm wrong. I've already been wrong once this week. I might as well be wrong twice. But, but I sometimes wonder if, if Jesus really would have had him do that. I sometimes wonder if Jesus was testing his spirit to see how he would respond. And his heart was immediately transparent in that moment. No, 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 I can't. I can't do that, Lord. I have other things to do. Mark 8, 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world 
and lose his soul. What is your soul worth? Is your soul worth a billion dollars, two billion dollars, a hundred thousand dollars? For some people, their soul is worth far less than that in their own mind. But your soul is the most valuable thing in your life. Nothing, nothing is more important than your soul. No job. Listen to me. I know it's Wednesday night, and that means you're here on a Wednesday night, so you, you love the things of God. But I'm just going to remind you, your job is not more valuable than your soul. God can give you a new job. I said God can give you a new job. All right. Stand with me. I'm closing. So in a fruitful heart, good ground, the word of God is received, it's understood, it's planted and take, takes root, it's cared for, it's obeyed, it's reproduced, and it's watered by the Holy Spirit. Psalms 1, 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Because somewhere, some fruit killers got in their life and choked out the word. I want us to pray today. That we would fall in love with the word of God like never before. And that we would be like trees planted by rivers of water. Could we do that right now in closing? Let's make that our prayer all across this building. Every hand lifted. Every voice lifted. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would love your word. That we, we would prioritize your kingdom, Lord. That we would put you first in all things. That we would love you more than our wealth. That we would love you more than pleasure. That we would love you more than entertainment, God. That we would love you, oh God, above all things. And Lord, that we would walk uprightly. That we would walk circumspectly, Lord. And that we would meditate in your word day and night, Lord. Because that's where our, our understanding comes from. And it combats everything that would destroy the fruit of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we would be like trees. Firmly planted by rivers of water. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name.